Hi, I'm Nikki Felbert. I'm a filmmaker and continuous seeker of life's truth and natural magic. And here's where I get to share amazing interviews and findings with you from people that have followed a calling and have a wealth of knowledge to share. Hi, Vilia Raza. Thank you so much for being here and speaking to my listeners. I really appreciate it. Thank you for making time. This is a good moment for me to slow down in between many things. I miss the South African accent, so any time to that beautiful sound, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Pai is the founder of Inner Dance. He is a humanitarian, a philosopher, an author, amongst many other things. Um, Pai, I'm absolutely fascinated with Inner Dance. Um, I think when I looked up on your website, what summed it up nicely for me in a short space was experiential transformation. So Pai started off in his adult life within marketing and communications in the corporate world. And I'm super interested to find out how you went from corporate world into creating in a dance and the journey that actually got you there. How do I put that in a box? Huh? <laughs> Hard, I know. Um, <laughs> It's, I really just made this commitment that I, I, I need more space. I need more time. Mm. For me, maybe this defines inner dance too. That Are people just looking for more time? I feel like we're always racing time. What if time was not exactly this linear thing that we think it is? What if it's cyclical time? Or what if we're just so much older than this one life? Um, so I, I got tired of living inside linear structures, inside time continuums. And um, that came with a lot of crisis. Uh, I think a lot of my attempts on making things work out probably just shocked my system early on where I realized um, there was something very off and I, I had to look way outside of my, my family systems, my culture. I think what rocked the boat was September 11, 2001. I don't know what it was about that event. I decided to go to the US a couple of months later. I had to be exposed to all of what was going on. I was interested not just in myself, I think I got very interested in the world around me, like what it had to say. So it felt like it was a kind of ego death. And before I knew it, I started to enter these dream states um, coupled with a lot of synchronicities and mystical experiences. And I didn't stop looking at what those meant. I just kept going and going with it, going with it. And up, up to date, up to now, it, I just didn't stop. It just kept uncovering itself somehow. It makes sense that these experiences would have birthed the inner dance and also all the other things that you are working with. How do you get to a space where you start having these experiences? I know in your life, you went on a mono diet of just coconuts. And do you 
think that you actually need to be able to do that in order to have these experiences or awaken. Mm. I like to think that everything is energy at the end of the day. And our spiritual life is about how do we manage energy somehow. So I think the big choice for me was to look at the options between energy consumption, energy competition, and in going into super basic simplicity like energy conservation. Mm. We, we live in a, a world that's based on the idea that more is more. And I somehow got interested in this idea that maybe less is more. <laughs> so what if I left my systems alone and gave it a rest, what would happen? And so living on one of the most vibrant food sources on the planet was, I think, actually like an easy, an easy choice. The Philippines is the second largest producer of coconuts on the planet, and it's a third world nation. I was interested in this concept of true wealth. You know, like what does it mean to go into authentic richness? And that had to go face to face with true nutrition or true food. Right. And um, when you get into that, one question you would have is, am I really hungry when I think I'm hungry? I realized that when you're not surrounded by a lot of people, you tend to let go of a lot of the stress levels that have normalized. And you, you're not actually hungry when you're not around human systems. So it seemed like a chain of events that when you're not problematizing so much, when you're not around people, you, you tend to stop eating. And when you are not eating as much, you're not digesting so much. And then you're not sleeping so much. So you're conserving energy. So it feels like we're just taking so much in and we're having a hard time digesting everything in a hamster wheel right. setting, you know? That's quite profound. <laughs> And, and simple too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it does sound simple purely because I've um, experienced uh, moving away from a denser area to a less dense area and having a degree of that, of the, of the experience you've just described. So I think there are degrees of it. And I also wonder if you have to move away from people in order to in order to really digest everything that's going on in your life or if you can do it while still being in your in your normal systems what do you think about that do you think you really need mm. to get rid of everything mm. to be honest i don't know the answer i i know what i've been through and i know what it's done i grew up with a lot of childhood problems and I I'm, I used to be a very fear-based person, you know, like I had a lot of addictions and <clears throat> having grown up in a very traditional conservative Catholic background, it wasn't easy to get away from the societal bindings that are hard to get disentangled from. Yeah. So I know that I had to do that because I needed the space because um, I felt that I was living in a world of expectations where there's always roles and you always had to be what people imagined you to be. And it's quite hard to break away from what they wanted you to, to say, to think, <laughs> to, to, 
to move as, especially because I belong to a collectivist society where individualism isn't really the norm. Right. Uh, you know, so uh, it, I, I know it is necessary for my part. And when I conduct the inner dance, I do realize that I'm actually giving people the same space and time that they're wanting, not in a literal sense, but that there might be some energetic conversions or conversations that need to happen once you get into a, a, a point where you're, you're breathing freely, your, your heart just opens. Yeah. Um, so I've seen that people didn't need to go into a hermitage to, to do that for sure. So I, I would say it's not necessary and it would be good for us to work on our problems more directly and urgently without having to do alternative systems. I really believe that we need to work within systems and not just keep going outside of it. Yes. Um, but I knew I had to leave it for sure. <laughs> yes, and the system you live now in is an echo village. I don't know if that's the correct wording, but mm. you teach in a dance from there, you, you run it to some extent. And um, what's fascinating mm. to me is that you have all the areas that are connected to different chakra systems and that is in itself some kind of system yeah um i've been watching people go into very deep states of consciousness and myself it took a while to understand what exactly is happening when people go into the inner dance one word that's come to mind very often is the word dimensionality where um what if that deep state is a dimensionality of, of thought, of experience, of awareness, or of consciousness. So in Maya, we're very interested in these dimensions and they can be represented by colors. These dimensions could be understood as different stages of our journey throughout the earth, or they could be understood as, um, you know, I, I was born in July 7. 1976 i've always been interested in what are all these sevens doing in in my dna you know i was yeah. born in seven seven it's, yeah. it was a lot of sevens yeah. as a child i i was interested in what are these sevens in the color wheel in the rainbow in the musical scale the days of the week so it almost seemed like there was a graph um, drawn out not by human beings but by nature you know because mm -hmm. the eyes can only see within the infrared and the ultraviolet same with the human hearing range there's these scalar similar similarities so as a community we're interested in how do external constructions match internal structures of our hearts our minds our bodies yeah and how does it work in the village that you live in uh, that you have different living spaces that do resonate mm. at these different color mm. sound mm. spectrums that that all come together um, in, mm. in different ways. Mm. It, it's, it could possibly be simplified as a language. So when we speak to the blue or the orange, the yellow, the green, the indigo, the violet, we, we somehow know what we're talking about we, we speak a lot to people from 
across the world. And we've been conducting the same language almost. Um, when we bring people into these stages of healing, they, they see the colors. And it took some time to understand that these actually had psychological markers, meaning sometimes we would realize that we are making references to specific blockages or specific movements happening within uh, dimensionality. And we realize that um, th there, there are cross-sectionings or relationships between um, e each of these. So to kind of arrive at objective knowledge that might be universal enough that allows us to perceive what is, what is the same, whether it be in Africa or in Europe, in Asia or Australia, that would begin with where nature draws things out. Um, it's, it's really hard to put into words, but energetically when people go there, it's almost like we're being given a starting point. And we realized that they were ne never really just colors, they're, they're vibrations, they're frequencies, and these frequencies contain information. And the colors could also be then representations, not necessarily something static, but maybe something that we can all agree upon together once we find some kind of um, circle <laughs> where um, we're, we're sharing like a discourse, sharing research, sharing um, collective insight almost. Yeah, and, and a space maybe to, to remember that particular vibration um, because we are a part of nature, but sometimes we forget. And maybe those spaces then help us resonate into nature, into that particular color sound spectrum, because each place has a specific function. Is that correct? Like a birthing place mm. and a few other. Yeah. A workspace. Yeah. yeah. Mm. A, a thinking space, a sharing space. I think it's easier to describe them from world institutions so that maybe in the body there's a hospital system, there's a school there's um, like media, there's a family system, there's a factory, there's a, a bank, there's a temple, there's city hall. So it's almost like seeing the many within the one or the big within the small. How do many parts come together within a whole so that a possible mapping could take place, which in spiritual new age communities are being described as the chakra system. It almost comes together from a linear hierarchical point of view. Many people imagine it to be from the spine to the crown. What I've been working on for a long time is what if you put it into a circle so, so that each primary color and secondary color kind of interrelates to each other where you, it, it's very complete when you when you look at the color wheel in a certain way you need to combine two primary colors in order to create a secondary and and they can actually meet together in some kind of geometrical pattern which I can't draw to you today that allows us to see that um, when you consider like the blue as voice then a lot of that has to do with emotions and the orange or creation a lot of our grounding issues in the red connects with our heart 
our feeling states and our thinking process is very much connected to the, the in the indigo is connected to the yellow, which is in the solar plexus, which speaks about agency or action. And, and, and so when you, when you kind of block one dimension, you start to have problems with another. There might be ways of understanding interconnections of thoughts, feelings, um, practical matters, creativities, action, so that if you found a way to open one, you, you start to see the, the pieces starting to, to fall into a puzzle-like picture where everything seems to, to connect either in separation or in unity, in closeness or openness. And so it's just really fun, actually. Yeah, but the so fact it, that you've been, yeah. It has a visual <laughs> aspect. It has, it's not just sound mm. and color. It has a, a shape and a visual aspect. Um, mm. Mm, yeah, mm. that, that so can, the, can move forward into nature, into what we're doing. Mm. It, it's also possibly an information processing model because there's just so much content in the world and we just keep creating more and more of it. Yeah. So if you take in everything you might find from Wikipedia or an encyclopedia, dictionary, how did they all come together is there any possible pattern is there an actual grid or a matrix that allows us to stay as what we are um, I, I like the information processing model idea because based on that it is a thought or research that the human mind can only hold five to nine bits of information at a time and if you average five between nine you, you end up with the number seven so is it possible that we're actually holding these seven dimensions minus or plus two at any given time so that when you're listening to someone speaking something, there's actually like a mandala or a mapping that's affecting um, these layers that is beneath or above what we're, what is the obvious or what is the literal, or what is the visible? Wow. <laughs> I love that. I love the I love the visual aspect just as you're talking. And it seems that inner dance has a similar feel to it, that you're also finding all these different spaces within yourself that has sound, that has color, that has visual aspects to it as you move as well into mm. what is needed. Yeah. There, there's such a translative element to inner dance so that people laying down, listening to music, start to see the colors and then the images come out. So what is the synesthesia or the cross-dimensionality between the ear and the eye that's actually bound by the same seven? I think it's the recent insight within synesthesia that's come up with this question. I don't think science has actually found out how, how, how are these connected somehow? So what we're realizing is that movement seems to create a kind of weaving that allows these colors and images to translate with each other. So it's easy to think about the translation between cultures or languages. Yes. But if sound and image are, you know, two different dimensional languages of the universe, yeah. are, they, are they bound to each other or are they totally separate from, from, from each other? And we can go on and on me, because there are so many... They would be bound, but can have separate spaces as well. And that would be the same for different parts of our personalities or different parts of our bodies mm. even. 
um, when you think of the nature of the universe, where there's like a trillion galaxies or the nature of the brain, there's just like 50 billion neurons. It's just hard to catch up with that. Would there be a more elegant way of handling the complex within something so elegant and simple and so intuitive too? It, yeah. it's, it's something, you know, babies work with, um, you know, everyone works with sound and image and we, we take it so much for granted that maybe we should just look at something that seems so simple and it allows us to manage all this complexity without oversimplifying, generalizing. Yeah, and it also what, what's fascinating to me is that it seems, inner dance seems to synthesize more and more into the body the more you do it. The experiences tend to get deeper as the body starts to understand what we're doing or even the mind. Mm. Or we could call it the body-mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. where there never really was a separation prior to the mind-body problem that Western rational, the Western rationality had given us. Um, I think that would entail a redefinition of the body as we thought it to be, as something physical, something gross, something base, um, something um, bound to deterministic, reductive, and causal uh, linearity like that now we're perceiving that the body is just so profound it's just so magical it's an it's an energy field so to in fact explore it somehow is maybe what the inner journey is about absolutely and and inner dance is such a beautiful way to explore it because it it does contain so many of the aspects that you've been talking about it's also fascinating that with movement and sound and um, maybe a group energy that does create healing and it can create healing in a in a nanosecond um, and it does create a space i think i was saying to you earlier today that this awakening that you had through through going on a journey um, of your experiences seems to be a reflection in inner dance for other people where they have these, or I certainly have had these mini awakenings or mini realizations where things just click into the body. How is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, um, I've had to look at certain aspects of the human quite a bit because I'm interested in this as well, what had happened to me where I kind of just knew what I didn't know or I didn't know what I did. And I accidentally, intuitively stepped into this. So I had this big question mark. Okay, so tell me, <laughs> what is this? And the energy itself um, spoke. And a lot of the insights had something to do with the brain that um, we weren't using it as much as we could. Um, we were operating at such low capacity I realized that there's a way of conducting simple tools like music or certain ways of positioning the body, touch, um, that allows this awakening of the brain. The brain, not just which is lodged in our heads, but the, the brain that's the whole body or the extended brain that goes outside of the rooms that you inhabit. Yeah, I feel like we, we should explore without too much much inhibition what is the electrical pathway that has been blocked 
what are the conditions in which not so much a learning, but a remembrance. A lot of people in the past used to call me like healer because healings would happen around my person. I had to clarify this later on that I don't really heal people. What I do is I find the conditions where healing happens in its own. Then I step back and I watch. There's something very feedbacky in, in a dance where, um, and, and we're there merely to provide some kind of mirror. This, this belongs to us. This exists to us. Maybe not in our limited historical point of view, but from a deep historical understanding, what did our brains look like? maybe a million years ago or a hundred thousand years ago, or where is this brain going as we're entering into this accelerated, turning on this mysterious thing that we don't control. <laughs> we, don't, we don't give instructions to the brain. That we, don't, we don't make these connections between the 50 billion neurons. It just knows what to do. So we're almost just building a relationship on something that claims us as we claim it. And I mean, part of that is um, that you can be conscious around it, and that is the exploration. So I guess that can then take you to that space of remembering. There were two basic commonalities, one of which was a lot of people spoke about returning to the child mind. Uh, it began in Africa. <laughs> it's a fascinating idea that it all began in Africa. Um, and I've, I've seen it in your, in your deep story, Inner Dances, where one of them is, it all began in Africa. And from a historical point of view, it seems that the human race did begin in Africa, but I guess it actually goes much deeper than that. So I, I'm interested in your understanding around that. One of the most common occurrences that I've been interested in tracing has to do with this strange phenomenon where people would lose their their thinking and their language for a certain period it could last for an hour or it could last for a day or, or weeks yes and it's almost like the person is being given a chance to undergo a renewal like a chance to restart the button uh, who doesn't want the blank slate or the fresh canvas, you know, the white page? Because we, it feels like the story just keeps on running and we're, we're not being given something fresh. For me, Africa speaks about either what was prior to migration. Like I feel like we're having to remember what it was before we settled. For example, Electric lighting is just so recent that we don't bother to think about what the world was like when we used to live more in the dark. Mm. Um, Interdance deals a lot with the circadian rhythms and the 24-hour cycle between light and dark. Yeah. So when we lived more in natural light and in accordance with the seasons, I, I feel like we probably used our sound a lot more than the image. Meaning we, we were more aware with what was tactile as well. We, we, we understood everything that was happening around us without using the, the visual field, which can be very limiting and judgmental and <laughs> reductive in a certain way. Yeah. Um, so to imagine almost like we were blind and we could use the echolocation properties of bats and dolphins mm -hmm. that can 
start to see the environment through sound. You know, they're translating sound into the image, but not image from a reductive field, but something very expansive, like a 360 degree of what's happening around. Yeah. It's almost like we need to remember what that was like. And I feel that was the, that is the mind before language. Language holds sequential thought so that we can only perceive the world now one word at a time, you know, one moment at a time where yes. Africa might have been a remembrance of the all at once, uh, you know, like to, to take in the terminology African time. Anyone who lives there understands what it means to try to schedule a meeting in native <laughs> Africa. You know, time doesn't work in a linear way. It's, it's right. very, very... Uh, everything's all the way, the music, the, the rituals, the, the, the Ubuntu, you know, the, yes. <laughs> it's very societal. I, I feel it's a conversation ar around diversity. We, we, we can look at biodiversity, we can look at neurodiversity. Um, I think we need to establish more ground on what the world might have looked like when we weren't so controlling. Yeah. And um, I mean, viruses were there prior to, to ourselves. And, you know, now we're trying to isolate these things. We're trying to control these things without looking at it from a much wider angle or a bigger picture. Mm. The Africa conversation could just look at, um, you know, what, what, what does the origins, were, were, were we simple or were we actually complex until we started to bring all those together into culture into language into the current psychological states mm. i think we need to be more open to to the black and to the unknown um to see what's there and we shouldn't be so afraid of it so i think everything we talked about brings a mirror to to how to make sense out of all these things that are happening thank you and just to share um from what you said as well um because i've been working with the sacred sites in south africa is that it feels like there was complexity around the time that those were created. It feels like in those sacred spaces that all falls away. And the sacred spaces themselves are very complex. There's a huge understanding of, of the landscape around and the sun, moon and stars and astronomy, which is complex, but it's all of that yeah. complexity of it just falls away and and it just is it just is it's just it's yeah it just is <laughs> a triangle. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah because we did know we, we we had an awareness that could handle all of the simultaneity and the multiplicities that we might have now just learned to bottle put into a bottle or a box so that we we didn't have to be in so much danger or that we could control disease or we could avoid death somehow. Um, like I feel everything's a conversation now about the earth and how we might come back to the earth, how we might channel the earth. If the earth isn't really a planet, because we do live in a quantum universe yeah. where our cosmologies aren't really based just in the physical. Everything is intelligent, everything is sentient. Um, we need somehow pathways to come back to the earth that's not so controlling. What, what would be 
a consciousness that um, is able to, to to manage it. What would be the set of conditions, the conditions of possibility that would allow for that kind of oneness? So I think we just really need to be open, way, way, way more open beyond just the things that we're trying out. And you know, the tools are pretty, pretty obsolete, pretty antiquated. We need we need to explore um, something appropriate to the massive problems that are face-to-face staring at us straight in the eye Mm. and I think we're barely coping really because um, something isn't matching so I think speaking to Africa we need to we need to go back to the origins and uh, I think the only way we can do that is to go into some kind of dream state some some sort of deep dreaming or dream time Mm. yeah beautiful and we can do that through inner dance in the most beautiful simple way inner dance is really good at allowing people to go deep yet at the same time we need to bring inner dance outside of the healing space um and so we need somehow to allow our our hearts to open but also our minds to operate and and i feel that there's so many avoidances and levels of non-thinking um, it worries me a lot because I'm, I'm doing a lot of consultation for different communities and especially the awakenings are happening in Europe yeah. and um, it, it's just going wild <laughs> like people are really desperate to shut off their their thinking because they're so tired of the system but at the same time if they're not able to gather their intelligence levels um, I find it's very different in Africa and or in Asia or in the Pacific Islands there's something about tribal consciousness that is just just, just there. It's, it's on. There's something about the West that I'm having problems with in particular. And there, there's a lot of experience seeking, but a lack of like um, shifting into how, how do we apply this somehow? Uh, meaning they don't like to talk. They don't like dialogues. They don't like to, 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 to study anything anymore. It's pretty much like go into the, psychedelics go into the so i think uh, it's good to bring up the possible um you know integrations like how do we integrate because I, I feel a lot of people have actually gone deep already anyway so how do you integrate these somehow yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's, it's so interesting because psychedelics seem to be a trend <laughs> <a> trending <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah um, uh. but yeah it really it, it allows you to to think deeply mm. but it there there's um a lack of integration with it so uh, uh, yeah 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 it, it's it, it's really hard because once it works for you it's a catch-22 because then you will assign causality to that thing as the, the cause you know the agent so um you're not able to allow yourself to be what was responsible for the level of insight so to, I think we need to find tools that slows things down, even as things are kind of speeding up. Yeah. I think it's really stressful in places like Cape Town right now. I haven't really looked at the news, but I can only imagine right, right now what it's like over there. People are stressed, uh, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sure they're stressed everywhere. Uh, not, not here. I live, I live in the tropics and the island. So, um, yeah, we're so unaffected. So, yeah, I'm happy. We're happy here.
but yes. I have a lot of empathy. I, I need to listen. I really actually do need to be in conversation with people mm. because it's, it's a portal. It's, it's a real opening. It's, it's, it's a huge opportunity and you need to have a certain set of optics or, or a certain paradigm to, to see that you, you can make this work. And it's so rare to be able to enter the space where this is happening for a reason. And this is a time when change can, can take place. Yeah. It, it's very, very hard to get into that. You almost need to go really deep for you to, but without the, the interventions of things like psychedelics and inner dance, like it's very, very, very hard to, to reach that point. But this is exactly maybe when we need it the most. Otherwise, maybe there's no turning back anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. You have to, you have to move forward. And I guess that's also what's creating the stress. When we don't have to move forward fast. We can move forward. And yeah. 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 And yeah. 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 Which is also a vibratory state. It's like a vibration inside of us. That's like meditating above all of it, seeing the details, seeing the parts interconnecting somehow like, you know, everything's connected. So how can people switch that? Because if you can do it in inner dance, you, you can switch it on in a meeting or when you're working on a project, when you're taking a walk. Yeah. So I, I'm, bas- I'm definitely much, much more interested in that than just the workshop, um, having seen everything I've seen already. So I've been trying to build, I, I've been rebuilding it somehow with a lot of the sciences intact, which is why I'm kind of quiet. Um, I've been going into a lot of study and research modes. I think yes. it's still quite early and this thing is going to last a lot longer. So uh, I think, yeah, slowing down is interesting. Yes. But, but yeah, thank you though, because you're the first one who actually drew me out of my, my cave. <laughs> <laughs> I've not accepted any, I've not accepted any requests. And then I remember, oh, Nikki emailed so I went back into my mind. Oh, okay, yeah, let's say that yes to that. So this is the first one. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I feel very honored. <laughs> thank you. And yeah, thank your, you too. Your deep understandings that you've brought today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And uh, yeah, glad to be here. Thank you so much for being here and listening to Nixie Pod. You can follow me, Nikki Felbert, on Instagram and Twitter. And you can check out my latest film, Origins of Consciousness, on Fundraiser and Facebook. If you haven't yet, you can subscribe, rate and review NixiePod on this podcast and on YouTube.